Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network, and we do have an action-packed show because NBA playoffs coming up next week, NHL playoffs starting very soon. We at Action Network cover it all. So in a few minutes, uh, Matt Moore, Raheem Palmer, the hosts of our very own Action Network podcast, also hosts, analysts, commentators of our NBA bet stream that we've been running all season long with our friends at Yahoo and the NBA, and regular writers and analysts on actionnetwork.com. They are joining the podcast. We're going to talk all things NBA. What is up with the Knicks? What is up with the Lakers? What are we going to do with the East? What's happening with the Utah Jazz in the West? Are the Warriors-Lakers really going to be the best-rated game for the entire playoffs, even if it happens the first weekend of the playoffs? Plus, we're going to talk NHL playoffs with our Action Network senior NHL fan, I call him that because he cares about hockey more than he probably cares about anything else in the world. Mr. Michael Leboff, you might remember him as the co-host of the $20 Hockey Show, which was the cheapest studio show ever produced about betting on hockey. But first, my BFF, my companion, Simon Hunter. Wow, Chad. Look at you, man. That was a good opening by you. That was a solid three minutes, no breath. You just were flying through that whole thing. I was flying by the seat of my pants and thinking about uh, how excited I am regarding this show. I think it'll be amazing because the NBA and the NHL are coming down to the end of their season. And look, it's been a weird freaking year. Even if we feel like in this universe, we are coming out of COVID, we're all getting vaccinated, we're all starting to see people again, we're all being more social. These two sports started under a cloud of uncertainty, right? We did not know what was going to happen. They did not have fans in the stands. We did not have the vaccine yet. We didn't know how seasons were going to progress, if seasons were going to progress. The fact that we're getting to playoffs in a time that is resembling something a little bit more normal, I think is fantastic, and we should all be enthusiastic about it. Um, But Simon, before we get there, One of the things that you've done brilliantly on this show in now your third season on this show is you have been so completely transparent about what you're betting, how much you're betting, why you're making decisions. And also you are in it only for the people who are listening. You do not make money off of the picks that you give people until two or three months ago, you weren't even a full-time employee of the Action Network. You weren't getting paid for the information you were sharing. So you were doing it out of the goodness of your heart, trying to make people smarter. And through that, people got to know you. You were so authentic in the way you describe what's going on in your head about insecurities. And this past couple months, we've talked a lot about your heartbreak, about your breakup. You brought it up on the show. And now a lot of people are asking, what's happening? How are you doing? It's time to share with the people. Yeah, there is nothing a guy wants more than to be vulnerable in front of five other guys. I mean, this is, this is perfect. I mean, if I could open up my heart right now and just show you my soul, this is exactly. Uh, what Simon is referring to is the fact that uh, we have Rory Leland from the Volume Network producer, uh, Matt Mitchell, vol- uh, Action Network producer, plus Raheem and Matt Moore are waiting in the wings. We're all in the Zoom here so everyone can see each other. 
but this is the world we live in right now. And, you know, we're all close and there's no reason to not be vulnerable at any time of any day. I believe that sincerely. So uh, share with us what's happening. Uh, and this is exactly. This is exactly why when I started here, I used a fake last name and I wanted you to blur my face. These are all the reasons why. Um, Yeah, man. Basically, I was with a chick who um, I've known her a long time and pretty much was like the classic, like, like, dude, I'm I'm crazy. If you want to get to the truth of it, like I am like legit this like I bet sports professionally. So I am twisted in the head and like my 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 move I would say for a good six, seven years is I would find a summer love and then just disappear ghost them as soon as August hit, bro. Like as soon as football season came around, I would just disappear. And the chick was trouble, but she had money and she could like laugh at a joke. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, get, I'll let this chick ride through the season. And yeah, man, I ended up catching feelings. And I knew it wasn't long-term because like I told you, she didn't want kids. So I pretty much was like, I can flip that. I can get her to want kids. And as you can tell, I lost. Um, not that I lost, I gave up. Because I was just like, I'm getting old, man. And it's like, I don't know how long the boys can swim for. So I got to start looking. And uh, basically, I thought it wasn't going to be that bad. And I'd get back out there. And it's been absolutely terrible. Just, I think, because of COVID. Like, I'm not an online dating kind of guy. Like, I can talk to chicks in person. And uh, I can't find chicks anywhere. I've been going to libraries. No chicks. I've been going to, uh, you know, the supermarket. Everyone's married. So, it's it's been tough. But I told you, I luckily have people have hit me up. And I like this girl's Facebook picture at 3 in the morning by accident. And she's still willing to go on a date with me this week. So, who knows, Chad? Maybe this is the week it turns around for your boy. But yeah, I've been pretty much dead inside for about three months now. All right. So number one, as we've just dis- as we discussed this morning when you and I you and I were talking this morning on the phone very early, you texted me said, "Can we talk?" I called you back that second because that's what I do because I love you. And um, whenever you talk, I feel like I'm in an episode of The Mayor of Easttown. Or I'm in the SNL skit in which they're talking about the, the, the murder dirter. My dirter's been murdered. Um, number one. Number two, I love that you felt like you were ever in control of anything that was happening in your life regarding the ladies. I'd, I'd ghost them at the end of the summer. Oh, I let her stick around. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's turning, it's turning fast. I think A... That was your first mistake. B, I know heartbreak. I'm so sad for you. Um, you know, I've been married for 23 years and almost 23 years. And uh, before that, I did get broken up with and it was very painful. So that was like 30 years ago at this point. And it sucks. It totally sucks. I remember it was high school, really. And uh and this girl broke up with me and I was so upset. I came home, I'm sitting on the top of my bed and I'm watching SNL and I'm eating frozen Sara Lee mini cheesecakes. They used to come like four in a box. You put them in the freezer, you could you know, take them out, nuke them or whatever. Came home, I was eating them just out of the box frozen. My parents who always went out later than I did uh, and got home later than I did, came home, 
My dad saw me. My mom saw me. My mom looks at my dad. She goes, you got this. He goes, I got this. And then he says to me, you got dumped, huh? I go, yeah. He goes, I'll see you in the morning. That was it. You got to find those cheesecakes, Simon. You got to eat those cheesecakes. You got you to gotta feel the feels. You got to get back out there. I'm excited you're getting back out there and that you uh, found someone to stalk on Facebook who's still willing to go out with you after you kind of, you know, weirdly liked one of her pictures. Got it, man. If you're if you don't stock someone's social media before you get a on a go on a date with them, you're a certified serial killer in my book, at least, because you got to be crazy just to meet up with these people when you can see all of their stuff online. It's it's the that's the only reason I like the internet. Like, I only go on for two things: I go on to post pics and talk shit to people on Twitter, and I go on Facebook and Instagram and stock hot exes and just to see how people are doing. That's pretty much my use for the internet. Did falling in love uh, make you rethink how you will manage your relationship going forward during the next football season? Ah, no, dude. Um, uh, no. Uh, if this chick, if she's the winner, dude, I'd be so happy. I hate dating. Like now that I'm single again, I hate it. I, she can have a lazy eye and a limp. And if she's cool, I'm going to marry her. I don't care anymore. Like I, I think that's what happens. You hit the thirties. You're just like, whatever. Uh, we all got issues. I got issues. I got baggage. So like the, that's the hardest part. When I tell people my profession, Chad, every chick's first thought is like, this guy's going to lose the house. That That's immediately their first thought. So anytime I go on dates, it's probably like the 10th date. I finally tell them what I do. But now I can tell them I'm a senior analysis at the Action Network. Maybe that will be like less uh, threatening to her. But I don't know, man. It's I'm going to obviously have to give updates now on the show because this is my life now. But I'm, I'd be lying if I wasn't saying I'm terribly nervous. I do want to bring in Matt Moore and Raheem. Like, obviously, Matt Moore, you know. <laughs> yeah, these poor guys. He lives a boring, single uh, uh, life of a married father like I do. Raheem lives in Philadelphia. We've never actually talked about if he's dating anybody or not. But more importantly, I continue to love that you frame this as someone's going to win. Like, whoever wins is going to get me, this what? fantastic guy who, you know, who's a gambler. That's the winning ticket. Matt Moore, you have something to say here. What I love here is that he's scouting Facebook. He's trying to find an edge in dating. Like he's literally like he's going to be running stats and numbers to find out like what the edge is on dating partners. You have to respect it, Chad. Uh, also, like... She can have a lazy eye and a limp. Like, let's talk about uh, finding someone who could be your soulmate. Let's talk about someone who is beautiful inside and out. Let's talk about someone who shares your values. It doesn't matter. I'm 30. I got to get it done. Let me find the person. 30 isn't even that old. You know how many people I'm friends with who had kids into their 40s? Raheem, you're, you're like barely keeping it together over there. I'm our first things first. I, I just turned 35. Um, and you guys know I was a DJ. I was in the music industry, but there's a period of my life where I was basically a professional gambler. And I think Simon's kind of playing this wrong. See, I used to tell people that I built models to simulate the outcomes of games and find the inefficiencies within betting markets. And then that actually got people intrigued. 
So it doesn't sound like you're just some degenerate who's just dunking off, you know, the house or anything like that. So after that, we get into this discussion. They'd be like, yo, so where do you find these inefficiencies and stuff like that? And I, I just think um, you're still a baby. Like you're still finding out who you are. Um, women your age are still finding out who who they are. So you can't you can't really rush it. I think you got to let it happen organically. <laughs> got some sad news for you, man. You never, people never stop figuring out who the hell they are. That's the worst part about life. Like everyone keeps saying, they're like, ah, you're younger in your twenties. People are still figuring it out. Dude. I know people in their fifties that are like, I don't know what I'm doing, man. I got no clue. So (laughs) I'm with you on that. But no, for me, my flex is a girl asked me what I do. Like, yeah, I tell them I'm a pro gambler, but it's not like, like you tell a guy you're a pro better. Yeah. That guy's into you. When you tell a chick that I feel like they do see the red flag. So I'm going to try your thing, but. It sounds a little too nerdy. If I start breaking, I'm like, yeah, I got models that I build up. But you, you, it, like, it, does, it does sound nerdy, but they're going to assume you have money. <laughs> they, they know that, though, because I bring them to my shore house. That's that's the move. I'm like, hey, you want to come to the beach for a day? Because like that, like Chad just said, I'm a weird dude. I need to find a chick that meets my weird. So it's like, yeah. that's what I'm saying. This is one of many dates I'm assuming I'm going to be going on because like for me to meet that chick took like 10 years, man. But like at the same time, I was living in Vegas like. You ain't going to find a wife in Vegas. So I basically was like, I'm going to find me a nice Jersey girl. But I've come to find Jersey girls. They got edges, man. Like they've been through their ringer with these Jersey guys. So it, it's definitely tough. These Philly Jersey girls. Let me tell you that much. Why don't why don't we start by <laughs> instead of using the phrase chick? <laughs> let's let's yeah. call them women mm-hmm. and respect the process that you are going to be going through, go into the experience thinking, I am not looking to to find someone who is going to win me. I'm looking to find someone who is going to be an excellent partner and be a wonderful guide in this life I'm trying to lead. And if I'm lucky enough to have children with this person, then I hope that we can do it together with joy and harmony and respect. Because if they're if you're scouting their Facebook, they're scouting this podcast. So I also would recommend hundred a shift a shift in our approach here. Yes, again, fake name, boys. I, I'm ahead of the game. You don't think I'm that ahead of the game? No chick's gonna know I do this show. You think I'm gonna brag about this show I do on the Action Network? No, but I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. Let's talk some hoops, Chad. All right, let's get to some hoops. Uh, let's get to some hoops. We got Raheem. We got Matt Moore. I think we do have to start with the New York Knickerbockers because while we can talk about the Sixers, we can, you know, running away with the East, we can talk about the Lakers fading in the West. The Knickerbockers at the four seed in the East and maintaining during the first half and then getting stronger into the second half. Raheem, did you make any plays on the Knicks? Are you a buyer on the Knicks? What are your feelings on the Knicks? I didn't make any plays on the Knicks, but, you know, I I'm, actually, I, I made a play on the Knicks the other day against the Clippers. I had a money line plus like 275 or something like that. I had big bet on that. But, I mean, like futures-wise, I haven't made any plays. For me, I mean, when you look at this Knicks team, they're fourth in defensive rating and they're nine garbage time minutes. They're going to play defense. You know, Matt says this all the time, but, you know, Thibs teams, they can't take it up another level because they play at such a high level in the, in, in the regular season. I think the biggest difference in this Knicks team – over the second half of the year is that offensively they're, they're they've gotten it going. I mean, this team is like second in, in three point um, shooting percentage. And if you can hit the three and play defense, I think you're a scary team in the, in the playoffs. Like, I mean, I think, you know, against the Hawks, 
I think they're really live. So um, I might find myself on them in the first round if they play the Hawks. I don't know if I feel that way against another team, but I think they're going to be a tough out for anybody. Matt Moore, uh, what's interesting to me about Tom Thibodeau's teams, having, having you know, gotten to know him very well as a coach from when he was coaching the Bulls, they, they are known for being incredibly intense defensively, and he, he really grinds his players almost down to the bone. But they're, they're much better offensively than you would expect. And so what you're seeing from this Knicks team to me is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, they've just taken a bunch of steps forward. I had the over on their win total in preseason. We had that on Action Network, and I didn't feel great about it because it's the Knicks, and how do you feel good about betting the over on the Knicks? But uh, I think Barrett's made a jump. Randall's been fantastic. I think if I'll say this, I do a lot of work on MVP. If a voter has Randall on the ballot, I don't think that's a mistake. I think you can make an argument for a lot of guys on the ballot. I think having Randall somewhere between third and fifth, that's a defensible position given how well he's played for them. A guy that's gone under the radar is Reggie Bullock, just giving them a shooter on the perimeter. That's been great. The Rose pickup's been good. Quickly's been good. They lost Mitchell Robinson and they've just kept on chugging. New Orleans Noel has picked it up. Uh, I, I think it's impressive. Tibbs has done more adjustment this season to adapting to modern NBA than we've seen from him in his previous stops in Chicago at the later end of that. And then in Minnesota. So there's a lot of promising signs here. I'm just going to have to go and take the historical precedent though, when it comes to Tibbs and the postseason. Cause like Raheem mentioned, Outside of 2014-15, Tibbs in the playoffs is 40% against the spread. I mean, it's just they play at such a high level. And you, you watch that. Like, here's a good like, indicator if you want to get past if – you, if you want the metric analysis, is that the Knicks have one of the highest closeout rates via second spectrum of any team in the league. Like They just close out shooters more. That's a sign of effort. The problem is in the playoffs, everybody tries. And I think they're going to have a really hard time. The Hawks match up is one that I'm going to have to really dig in before I figure out what the angle I'm going to be going in with is. But before we get there, my starting position is I am looking to fade New York in the playoffs, despite being impressed with the success that they've had in the regular season. Simon, you have any follow-up there? Yeah. Is there like, I know that they had that crazy run where they were just covering and winning for, it felt like two to three weeks straight. Uh, are these the kind of teams that you have a little bit of pause, like you were just saying, heading into the playoffs? Because that's that's one of those that was not – we're not saying it's fluky. Like you guys are saying they're playing better defense and offense. But we already know the value is going to be bet up so high. This is the one the public's favorite team. The, the Knicks, everyone loves the Knicks. So like you just said, won't there always be value in just taking the other side, especially in the postseason where you just said the guy's 40% career lifetime in the postseason. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I think for me it's – it depends on the matchup, right? Like the Hawks are not going to be a public team. And that's going to be a really underrated team with Nick McMillan. That's got a very good playoff track record. You got like, there's question marks there. It's Trey Young and, and Collins who haven't had playoff runs. Julius Randle hasn't had a playoff run. Quickly hasn't had a playoff run. Barrett, it's two inexperienced teams. And I lean a little bit towards Atlanta there. I think the opposite is true. If it winds up being four five and it's the heat, I think that goes the other way. And I think the public's probably on Miami. Uh, but Miami did go 3-0 and kind of dominated them. I think that that's a, a, another one where I just think the Heat are going to have the edge. And if the Knicks fall to six, like that'll be really interesting. If it's Knicks-Bucks with how much everybody kind of goes against Milwaukee, 
that one's going to be very interesting to see where the public comes in on and what the numbers are like for that series, because the books are going to have to make the bucks a heavy favorite, but I feel like the public is going to come back in wanting to fade Milwaukee for a third year in a row. Uh, so you mentioned the Hawks, uh, Raheem, you mentioned the Hawks uh, as a potential playoff matchup for the Knicks. I watched the Hawks wizards last night. It's Tuesday afternoon. When we record this last night, uh, Russell Westbrook got the triple double record setting a new career high for triple doubles, 182 beating Oscar Robertson uh, in a one point loss to the Hawks classic Russell Westbrook game in that he's got 20 plus assists, 20 plus points, you know, 11, 12 rebounds. It comes down to the last shot of the game and Russell Westbrook with four seconds left. He's a triple teamed three pointer that clanks off the bottom of the rim, right? After having an incredible game. My question is this, and I've said this on our show heat check that we do uh, on Wednesdays and Thursday nights on action network HQ, 6 PM Eastern uh, Matt and Raheem do it together with Chris Raybon on Thursdays. I do it with Justin fan Preston Johnson on Wednesday. Um, has Russell Westbrook, cheapened the triple double has he is it become so commonplace as to make it seem as if it's not as big an accomplishment as it should be i feel like maybe he has cheapened it a little bit but am i being a hater raheem you are not being a hater you know when he first averaged a triple double during his mvp season i was the biggest hater of all obviously i had hard 20 to 1 to win mvp that year and i felt like Harden was robbed thankfully we have met on here who actually voted for Harden. but i mean for me when i look at his mvp when i look at his triple doubles i mean it started out that year in oklahoma city basically his teammates were letting him get rebounds in order to push it up the break and then when you have a, a 41% usage rate, you're pushing the pace so much and you have the ball in your hand so much, you're going to get these assists. You're going to get these points. So I think it's more of a thing with volume more than it is, you know, an accomplishment to me. Now, I'm, I'm not going to diminish his accomplishment, but I, I'm just I don't value it as much as we did in the past because we know we understand usage rate and he's always had one of the highest in the, in the league since he left the ranch. Right. But, and Matt Moore, I think you take issue with this. Look, a lot of guys have high usage rates and we understand what high usage rates are. A lot of guys get a lot of volume play. Nobody else has averaged the triple double the way he has. And it came within the style of play. I think you could argue that as it became something that was more and more a part of his trademark, there were probably opportunities where he did pad his stats a little bit, especially on the rebounds. But Matt Moore, you completely disagree with Raheem. Yeah, look, this stuff has to be put in context, which is difficult, right? If you want to have like the right conversation about this, I think you have to look at statistical production. In the NBA is up. Like we have, it's playing a little bit faster than it has over the last 20 years. Not as fast as the seventies, but pretty fast. Statistical accomplishment is up there. Like there's a reason why we're seeing four of the top, like all four of the top offensive teams this year have the best offensive ratings in history. Um, but here's the big key is that when you talk to players, like this is a differential that I think separates the analysts from the players, I think you have to consider both sides of that argument. The players will talk a lot about how it's not easy to have high usage rates. It's difficult to create that many shots. It takes a lot of effort to grab that many boards, even if you have Steven Adams clearing it. And I got to be real clear on this. Like the, the stuff with the rebounds gets it's yes. His teammates would allow him to get the board. Like Steven Adams would box out guys so he could get the board. The reason is when Russ started a break, 
their offensive efficiency went up by about two points per hundred possessions, which is massive. Like they are more effective when Russ had the ball and was screaming up court. Coaches talk about this all the time with him. Just the fact that he plays so hard end to end every night, which is funny because he doesn't play that hard on defense, but the coaches still love him for it. Um, the assists, yes, are kind of a rote function of how much he has the ball. Like Russ isn't a phenomenal passer. He's not Jokic. He's not Harden. He's not LeBron. But he is very good at understanding how to manipulate a defense and find the guy and get guys in positions to make the shots that they need. And being that kind of heliocentric center of an offense is not easy. And I think the accomplishment is impressive. I think it is. I mean, it's obviously historic and he's going to be remembered for it. You have to consider all these things in context. And there are reasons to kind of take those kind of positions. But I do think at this point, Russ is a bit. I, the other big thing, the win rate. When he has a triple-double, his teams win at better than a 60% clip. He helps them win games. That, to me, is like the point of everything. If you're doing something statistical and it doesn't help you win, like Jordan Clarkson shooting three, 33 times last night, that's one thing. But when Russ pulls this triple-double action, it helps his team win, and that, I think, is what matters most. I will say that last night, I watched that whole game with my younger son, who I'm raising with my beautiful wife, who I love and respect. And I hope Simon finds that same kind of joy and <laughs> happiness and partnership with whoever wins the race to uh, be Simon Hunter's uh, 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 wife and person that carries his child. Um, uh, I was watching the game, watched the whole game. And of course I get a text late in the fourth quarter and I look down and start responding. And that's when Russ gets his final rebound needed for the triple-double. And you've never seen a child go after a parent for being on their phone more than this one went after me because I am always on him for being on his phone. I got my comeuppance. And that's what you're going to get, Simon, when you finally do find a wife and raise children. They will come after you. Do we need to worry? Does the NBA need to worry that it's very possible the Lakers and Warriors meet in a play-in matchup and that ends up being the highest rated, most intense playoff moment of the entire NBA playoffs. Matt Moore, I'll start with you. I think it's going to be the highest rated because you've got Steph and LeBron in a one game playoff. Like that's just absurd exactly. in terms of, of what it brings. I don't know if it's going to be the most intense because I think a game seven, if you sometimes these series surprise us, and especially like, I'll, look, I'll tell you this there's a very good possibility that it does. It winds up being like, what if the Warriors beat LeBron? He falls into the one eight versus the jazz, a very good team that I would expect him to beat. But that series goes seven, the number one team versus LeBron trying to go back to back. Or let's say that there's a very good possibility that the Lakers move up to six this week, depending on what happens. That would be Lakers Clippers first round. That would be an absolute monster. I will say this though, whatever it is, it's going to have to be LeBron. If LeBron falls out of the playoff play in, if he loses twice in the play in tournament, then the, the ratings are going to be a pretty big disaster. I don't think that's bad for the league. I think they need to rebuild an audience built around the other stars that they have. Cause eventually LeBron's not going to be around and you need to build teams up franchises up. But if they want the big hit, the big serotonin hit of the ratings, it's going to have to be around LeBron and the Lakers. Raheem, what's your take? Steph Curry is, you know, one of the biggest stars on earth. And then you have LeBron, who is arguably the GOAT. That would be – that's the matchup everybody wants to see. But I, I think 
it's not guaranteed it's going to happen. I mean, the Blazers have the Jazz, Suns, and Nuggets, and they could realistically lose all three of those games, and they just have a one-and-a-half um, game lead over the Lakers. I think that will be the highest, you know, rated series. But I think – I mean, game. But I think the series everybody wants to see is Lakers versus Nets. And I think that'll be the most intense series, and, you know, that'll have high ratings. And if that doesn't happen, I think that's going to be the letdown because everybody – you know, with the NBA – um, Matt always talks about it all the time. You bet the narrative. And a lot, like coming into this year, we assumed that it was going to be Lakers Nets. So if that happens, everybody's tuning in. So I don't even know if Steph Curry and LeBron can match that. <laughs> Chad, I cannot take this West Coast talk anymore. Can we please talk about some East Coast teams? How, how do the Sixers and Knicks, if that doesn't happen, wouldn't that be a huge ratings? I mean, two, what are they, top five, top four markets? I know. LeBron, obviously, he's the king, but I feel like that would that would pull some eyeballs, and I feel like it'd be really competitive. Like they're both two teams where you have a lot of star power, obviously, with the Sixers and the Knicks. They just always draw people. That's just how the Knicks are. So I, I feel like that's a sneaky one that could get really big ratings because, like we always talk about, it's not a 10 p.m. start. This will start at like 7:30, 7 o'clock. I always feel like that helps. That is a really good that Simon. You just made an excellent point, and not at all a homer point because you love the Sixers. Here's my last question, because I do want to get to leave off and talk about the NHL. If right now, Raheem, you go first. If you're making one value bet on uh, NBA futures, who is your value bet right now? I've been saying it all year. I like the Los Angeles Clippers to win the NBA title. I think they have two wings in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who can, you know, defend. They can score. They have... They have the, the, the they have the best offense in the league. They're the number one three point shooting team in the league. I think Tyron Lue was just a huge upgrade over Doc Rivers. I've never really been a huge fan over of, of Doc Rivers, even though he's improved this Sixers roster. But I think they got rid of their biggest liabilities and Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, who couldn't defend, and we knew they couldn't defend, and we knew that they would get picked on in the playoffs. I wasn't as high on the Clippers last year. Um, because of those two guys. And they got rid of them. They got rid of Doc. I love this Clippers team. I think if they're healthy, they're going to win the championship. Clippers currently plus 550 to win it all. I did bet on the Lakers last week when they dipped to 450. Uh, Matt, Matt Moore, what do you have to say for yourself on this? So I've got a bunch of final matchups positions on Nets Clippers and Nets Lakers. Um, I did put in a small position on Bucks to win the East last week. Uh, my biggest one right now, right now, you can get Pacific to beat the Atlantic division versus division in the finals. So that's Lakers or Clippers or Suns uh, to beat either Sixers or Nets in the finals at plus 240. That to me is great value. Uh, the Nets are a great team. They're, they're title favorites. I think that there's a number of ways that they can get toppled. I can see the Bucks get beating the Nets and then the Sixers beating the Bucks. So there's a bunch of outs to that. Meanwhile, if you just don't believe in the Jazz, if you're just like, I do not believe in Utah, which is a pretty defensible position, if you read our playoff primer on Action Network, then you're in good spot there with Pacific to beat the Atlantic at plus 240. So that, to me, is the best value on the That board. is really interesting. I like that. I like both those bets. I like Raheem Clippers plus 550. I like Pacific uh, winning the NBA title at plus 240. Um, 
really, really interesting. So let, can I just ask real quick, why why are people sleeping on the number one seed in the East? I, I don't get the Sixers lost to Kawhi. That Kawhi had a magical run. And then last year was fluky with the bubble. Like, like no one's talking about the Heat as if they're really a truly contender. So I'm looking at a Sixers team that has a bunch of superstars and they're going against a Nets team that they seem like all three guys can't stay on this court at the same time and a Bucks team that they choke every year. Is, is Am I crazy thinking there's just so much value on the Sixers who, again, they're the one seed right now, and people are not talking about them as if they can win it all this year? So Sixers, I think the big thing with them, I think plus 300 to win the East, there's probably value one. There's a couple of things you got to keep in mind. Uh, I did this whole thing on what to look for in playoff, teams that are going to succeed in the playoffs versus the regular season. Two things, if we're going to simple it down, it's this. You want to have to be able to play defense a lot of different ways. And you want to have guys that can hit jump shots off the dribble because of the way that teams will scheme you. The Sixers are light on guys that can hit jump shots off the dribble. Like Embiid's a, is a, he's a combo breaker. Like he will bend those matchups, but there are solves for Embiid that involve doubling. And then you're relying on like, it's not going to be Simmons. So you're talking about Seth Curry. Nope. Danny Green. Nope. Shake Milton. A little bit. But that's a lot to, to ask for. And defensively, Embiid is one of the most impactful defensive players in the league, but he has to drop in pick and roll coverage. You can't play him at the level. He's just too big. And so that if you can't change those, those schemes, that gets you in real trouble versus different teams, especially a team like Brooklyn. That's why I think that there's reason to doubt them. And then you get into like a potential matchup versus any of the West teams, and that becomes even, even trickier. But I, I do think that here's the big thing. You're still going to be able to get good value on them at different stages. Like you will still get them as a dog in an Eastern conference finals matchup. You will still get them as a dog in a finals matchup. Like you'll be able to get good prices on them the whole way right now. I don't think is where the best value is actually going to be found on them. You know, I think, um, the, the problem I'm a Sixers fan. So, I mean, obviously I would love them to, you know, go to the NBA finals and win, but the biggest issue with the Sixers is they don't have a guy who can break down the defense and get his own shot at a star level. Like Tobias is pretty inconsistent. You need uh, you know, a Kyrie Irving, a Kevin Durant, a James Harden. Brooklyn happens to have three of those guys. Like we don't have anybody. Um, also, we're just 13th in three-point shooting. So I think, you know, some of the other teams like the, the Nets and the and, and the Bucks, they're gonna outscore us from three. And then also, I I, I just I, I think it's one of the things, one of the issues with MB is that he can't stop a double team. So we, we did the BetCast the other day where, you know, they're playing a New, or- New Orleans Pelicans team and they zoned up and they couldn't get the ball to MB. And when they got the, the ball to MB, he can't pass it around. They had all these turnovers and there's no Zion, there's no Ingram, but that was a game. So I think teams are going to be watching that tape and they're going to see that if you double MB, he's not going to be able to get the ball out and – no one else is going to be able to create their own shot. So that's the issue with the Sixers. But the one thing I will say is that with the Sixers having the number one seed, I like to bet on the cumulative effect of series. So I'll give you an example. The 2016 Warriors, they had to play the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they went to seven games before playing the Cavs, while the Cavs beat up on a, a Raptors team. So with the Bucs and the, and, the, and the Nets, they're playing in the second round of the playoffs. They have to play the Sixers after that while the Sixers are going to have a weaker opponent. Now, I'm going to read you some stats. I wrote this article last year on how teams perform after a seven-game series. Teams that win game seven 
of a series. In the following series, they're 32 and 47 straight up in game one of the following series. That's 40%. Teams that win game seven are 33 and 46 straight up in the following series altogether. So if the Nets play the play the Bucks, and that's a seven-game series, and they have to go through the Sixers next. So I think that's where the value in the Sixers lies, is that that accumulation effect. That those are both incredible answers. And what I love is that in the middle of it, Raheem talking about his favorite team, the Sixers, just took a deep sigh when he talked about what their fatal flaw could be. It sounded like Simon does when he's talking about heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Moore, Raheem Palmer, NBA experts extraordinaire for Action Network, host of the Action Network NBA podcast, which is truly outstanding. And it's, I, I got to say, uh, I've said this to you guys before. It is not easy to do a weekly podcast betting about the NBA, but you guys take such a wide lens approach to the narrative of the NBA, uh, especially with the MVP voting. And you guys are so smart about it. So uh, well done on that. Well done on the coverage. Well done on the betcast. Well done on everything. Well done on this podcast. Thank you for joining. Thank you for getting Simon through the initial stages of his heartache. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Hang in there, Thank Simon. You. Hang in there. All right. Next up on the podcast, we are talking NHL because guess what? It's not just NBA playoffs. It's NHL playoffs. No one loves the NHL more. No one is more connected to the NHL. No one loves the Islanders more. I would promote his own Islanders podcast, even though it's not part of the Action Network family because he is currently dressed in his Islanders hat and his Islanders jersey. Chaminade High School's very own, the pride of Long Island, Michael Leboff. I just don't know how you guys do it with the NBA talk. I was just in like the green room listening to that. And it's just this, this NBA culture of just like talking about the same thing over and over again, instead of like the real dramas like we have in the NHL where we didn't even decide when the playoffs are going to start until late last night. So, I mean, we, we got to follow, get them to follow a real league, one that has all their ducks in a row, like, like the NHL. This is drama. It's like the, the NBA slogan was like, we know drama. They don't know. I don't think they know the first thing about drama. I really don't. I did not even know they had settled on the date for the NHL playoffs, which is why I have been vague about when the NHL playoffs are starting. Yeah, yeah. Last night they uh, they made the big announcement. They should have they should have made like a TV special. That's what the NBA would have done, right? Like they would have got an hour long special to announce when the playoffs start. And um, but yeah, they snuck it in there after uh, the actually right, right after the Islanders and Bruins played. I'm actually very relieved because my my adoring wife is a Bruins fan, and uh, like we're in a we're in a really great stage of our relationship right now. Um, and so she, her, and I don't have to battle in, in the first round of the playoffs, which is a huge relief for me. Um, especially, like I said, like, it's just the relationship couldn't be going better at the moment. So um, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled about all this. Why do you think it's going so well? We've, we're in a good uh, like synergy right now. We were just at a wedding, like celebrating more people in love, a couple of old friends. And now we're just, you know, we're just riding that wave and it won't get halted by a, a brutal first round playoff series between the Islanders and Bruins. For the record, a Nobody loves love more than me. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Huge fan of love. Number two, Leboff did not know that we spent the first 20 minutes of this podcast talking about Simon wallowing in his heartache and being on the lookout for love. So the fact that you're bringing up the fact that you and your wife, your beautiful wife, who is a nurse and gives of herself, uh, especially during uh, the time of COVID, are in such a good place. It, it is the measure of a man. 
if he can find true love. Simon. I'm learning a lot from Lee Buffer. Lee Buffer, this is the first time I've ever met you, dude. You are the strangest person. I love it. You are like <laughs> cracking me up, man. I could watch you just do stand up and just rant. You should just go up there and just talk about whatever's going on and the Islanders, whatever, man. You should just start putting YouTube videos up because I watch it. I just love your vibe, your energy, everything about it, man. I mean, the fact that we're just sitting here talking hockey, I don't even care. I'll talk whatever leave off wants to talk. You want to talk Premier League, bro? I love hockey, love Premier League. I am here to talk to this guy because your personality is truly amazing and it's a gift to this action network. Thank you, Simon. That That is something that uh, I wish you had told Chad and my other bosses before the review cycle or whatnot. I would have would have got a nice bump or something. You you got promoted and you got a bump. What are you fucking talking about? Yeah, bigger one, bigger one. Oh, like it would have right. been on the uh, the board or something. Swimming in cash right now, Danish kroner. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what else to say, Simon. I'm I'm very excited to to explore your personality and maybe we can find you a, a person like like my beautiful Emily. Oh my god! The more you talk, the more I fall in love, man. You are you're truly poetry emotion. Let's talk hockey, right, Chad? We want to get to know, are, should we be taking these big dogs? Is this a crazy year for hockey with all this interdivisional play in the playoffs? Like, are you thinking big dogs this year like, is going to take the cup this season? Well, it's funny you say that, actually. So usually, yeah, the NHL is much more kind to underdogs than um, other sports. Uh, but this year, I think it was like 62.7% of favorites have won. And that's the first time it's been over 60% since 2013 or so, which was uh, another lockout shortened year with a very uh, divisionally focused schedule. So there might be something there, but yeah, so it's, it's been a true horror for me uh, betting the NHL this season. But I mean, it's, even when, even when I do well, uh, it's still a true horror because like, there's just nothing. The, the worst part of your day is, is definitely watching the game you bet on in, in the NHL. I don't know if other sports are like that. I mean, it, I guess the NFL, because like, that that is just a terrible sport to watch. Uh, you know, you're just sitting there and watching this two minutes of action in a four hour window um, while you're hungover. I just I don't understand it at all. But uh, it's different kind of horror, right? Like this is much more like deep existential horror, whereas the NFL is much more just like just bore boring horror, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been tough. But I I mean. The thing is now these team the, the way the brackets are set up right each team's going to be playing their own little mini tournament within their division uh, and there's very few mismatches in the first round and in a, in a sport like the NHL where upsets do happen with with quite regularity like in uh, in the playoffs like we saw the Blue Jackets beat the Lightning and they swept the Lightning two years ago uh, as a one as an eight over the one and, and the Lightning were the best regular season team since um, the like uh, nine the basically like original six expanded, I believe, or something like that. In like some, something like 30 years, they were the best, the best regular season team. Um, I, I just don't really see many, I don't think they're going to be huge underdogs. Uh, I think like the predators will be uh, and the blues uh, will probably be the two biggest underdogs on the, on the slate, I guess, in the first round. I think the predators, the, the series line is out for the predators and hurricane series and Nashville's plus 190 to win the series while uh, I would assume St. Louis, whether they play Vegas or Colorado will be in kind of a little, a little shorter than that, but like in that kind of range. So like you shouldn't expect any huge numbers out there. Um, that being said, I do think like if you, if you look towards, if you're, if you're just looking for an NHL team to like root for um, and you want to get like emotionally invested with a, a future bet before the playoffs, there are some decent prices out there. Uh, and I'll, I'll start with like the Winnipeg Jets. Cause I actually think the Islanders are a decent price and, 
I don't want to start off both like my Homer bias, but the jets are, have been terrible, which is, this is, this is how I want to sell the jets. They've been really, really bad for the last month. Uh, but they've been going through a lot of injury issues and uh, they were, they've been in the playoffs basically. Like they haven't had much to play for, for the last month. Uh, so a lot of, I think a lot of people are going to be backing off them and they'll be playing the Edmonton Oilers most likely in the first round. And Connor McDavid obviously is an, maybe the best NHL player we've ever seen, but he, the outside of him and Leon Dreisaitl, like that team is, is pretty much mediocre. Uh, so if Winnipeg does catch Edmonton in that first round, they can upset them and they have the best goalie, arguably the best goalie in the league, maybe outside of uh, Vasilevsky on, on the lightning. So in the NHL, it's like all about getting a hot goalie in the playoffs and Connor Hellebuck, who's the goalie for the Jets, probably has the best chance of, of carrying a team, willing a team through uh, a series upset like that. I love that this, this is what's sad about um, what's been going on the past 14 months. I talked to Leboff several times a week. I talked to Simon several times a week, and I can't believe Simon has never met Leboff and gotten to experience what you gathered from the first three minutes of Leboff, of Leboff talking is what we have all known at Action Network for years. Uh, and so I'm glad you recognize that. It speaks to your ability to uh, understand human nature, Simon. Um, we should talk a little bit about, Leboff, your sort of best value bet for the Stanley Cup. If it's all about goaltending, if it's going to be about value, if hockey is about misery and betting underdogs, is there a lengthier value play right now? Yeah, so like I said, like it's either the Jets, but I do I do think that the Islanders, they're 20 to 1 right now. Uh, for most of the last like three months, they've been in between like 12 to 16 to 1. But like the Jets, they've, they've had a little bit of a dip right before the playoffs. And a lot of that has to do with uh, an injury to, to one of their best players. And also uh, the fact that they've been, been in the playoff picture pretty much like cemented in a playoff spot for a long time now. Because they were, for the first like 38 games of the season, they were one of the best five-on-five five teams in the league. Uh, I think they were fourth in expected goals at five on five. They were second in high danger chance share. So that just shows you that like they're the team that's dictating tempo on the ice at five on five. And they were third in, in five on five goal differential. Uh, and then Anders Lee, their captain got hurt and they had to kind of patch things together. They made a couple moves at the trade deadline and uh, their form just dipped a little bit as a team. Like they're a very uh, detail oriented team under Barry Trotz, who's, an incredible coach and he, you know, they, it takes a little while to learn their system. So when you, when you integrate a new player into it, it does uh, take a little bit, like things kind of get thrown off a bit. And it seems like Kyle Palmieri, who was their big trade deadline acquisition is, is really starting to get his feet uh, under him in, in the system. And the other thing is like, they have one of the best defenses and one of the most reliable goaltenders in the league and Simeon Varlamov. Um, and they have a good backup, another Russian, Ilya Sorokin. So it's like this, they are built to be a good playoff team, uh, but their dip and the fact that they're playing the Penguins in the first round and the Penguins uh, took six of the eight games they played in the, in the regular season against the Islanders uh, is kind of, I think it to put people off and, and it's make that first of all, that series price is going to be probably longer than it should be. I think at anything like 140, 135, I would, I would still bet the Islanders, uh, and 20 to one is, I think, just a good price. It's you're, you're buying low on a team that has shown it is one of the best four or five teams in the league uh, for a long time in this in the season. And they have a great coach. And like I said, great goaltending, good defense. And 
like those of those uh, six losses to the Penguins, two of them came in overtime, which is a, a coin flip. So it could have easily been four, four and four uh, in that season series. So I just I think you're you're getting in at a good time, uh, which which obviously we we all know is pretty important in betting. Uh, but yeah, it's like the Jets, the Islanders. I think you can maybe make a case. Like the Lightning are are eight and a half to one. I think that's a little short, but just because they have a tough first round, they have to go through Florida, who's been a great surprise. And then they have to go through Carolina, who's one of the best teams in the league to get through, but they get Nikita Kucherov back. He's, he was, he is one of the best players in the NHL. He hasn't played all season, but they kind of just like let him heal his hip in anticipation of them making the playoffs and that he would join the crew. Uh, so like they're in my mind, they're still the best team in the NHL and you're getting them as like the fifth favorite right now. So like, if you're, if you want to shop towards a, a quote unquote safer pick, it'd be the lightning. If you want to take a couple of shots, it would be uh, between the Islanders and Jets. True story. The last sporting event that I went to and probably Lebov you went to and many of us at Action Network went to before everything shut down was an Islanders game at Barclays. Uh, literally like the week things shut down. We were in a suite given to us by our friends at the NHL. Thank you very much. And um, I can't believe we didn't fucking get COVID. Yeah. That was that was unfortunate because it was at Barclays Center, not uh, Nassau Coliseum, which will be this is it for the Coliseum before the Islanders move. Because, uh, you know, we I think the Coliseum is like the most romantic building in sports. Uh, still, it's, it's very small. Uh, there's one concourse. It's uh, it's known one of its most iconic features, if you want to call it that, is that its uh, bathroom lines are about. 700 people deep no matter what because there's like six bathrooms in the place for for 14,000 Long Island deadbeats like myself like it's 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 a beautiful place it's like what sports should look smell and sound like but now uh they're moving to UBS right next to Belmont uh in next season so it is it is a shame maybe you know when they when they make it to the Stanley Cup finals maybe we can get you guys in into the barn for to, to experience that We'll get Simon to drive up. You guys can finally meet and maybe nurse Emily can come and she can bring someone that we think Simon can fall in love with. And it will be happiness made in hockey heaven known as the Nassau Coliseum. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who fell in love and maybe started a family at Nassau Coliseum, Simon. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be all that rare. The parking lots are, are notorious for uh, some, some, let's say rated R activities, I guess. You, wherever your mind wants to take you, that's exactly what I mean. You're the best, Levov. I, I could, I would literally, you should do a YouTube video of you speaking eloquently about the Coliseum. The fact that you love it so much, and again, I'm not going to say anything about it because of how passionate it is to you. I'm heartbroken they're leaving there. I, I feel your pain through the screen. I'm sad they're leaving you. Have you ever been there? I have, but for a concert, not hockey. What concert did you go to? Oh, God, I, don't even, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Uh, Nickelback. Wow. wow. I know. I was like 13. Well, Diamond I, wants to be a rock star. I can't imagine what that was like. But I, I always say like when people say like, oh, I've never been there. I just like, well, have you ever been in like a, a, a basement for like a house party that's like sequestered in a basement where the ceiling's kind of falling in? And they're like, yeah. I was like, well, then you've been there. Leboff, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the charming Mike Leboff running all of our hockey coverage at Action Network. The on-the-mend, ready-to-fall-in-love, looking for a soulmate, Simon Hunter. Thank you very much, both of you, for being 
on the Favorites Podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash the volume. Download it, Apple Podcasts from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back on Thursday for the Thunderdome. Until then, love you. Love you.